Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for Smart Simple Wealth. Well, hello there and welcome to another edition of Smart Simple Wealth. Walter Storholt here alongside Carrie Qureshi, estate and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law Firm, serving you in Arkansas and Texas. Hey, Carrie, how's it going? I'm fantastic. How are you, Walter? Oh, fantastic as well. Looking forward to our conversation. We've got lots to get to on today's agenda. When Carrie and I were going back and forth about what we wanted to talk about today, we started listing all of these great topics and ideas and thoughts. So we've got a packed show for you. So buckle up and get ready for this one. And uh, Carrie, we're going to kick things off on this week's show uh, with a new segment. It's called, Did You See This? And it's where I try to find the unique, interesting, and bizarre of the financial and estate planning worlds and bring them to the table for your reaction to this. So did you see this? A woman in San Lorenzo, California. Unfortunately, she passed away, but it was at the great age of 102 years old. And uh, in the wake of her passing, DirecTV charged her estate a $160 early termination fee for breaking her contract early, even after her family complained. Now, eventually, as these things tend to do, they pick up some social media steam and whatnot, and DirecTV ended up apologizing and refunding the fee after the local news station reached out for comment and kind of blew the story up a little bit. But have you, in all of your years of estate planning, seen something like that happen to a family? You know, I hadn't seen that happen with DirecTV, but honestly, I can't tell you that I'm surprised by it. I've definitely seen their contracts and dealt with them. You know, we've experienced something similar. Normally, it's with credit card companies. And so when we have, you know, a client that's passed away and their family's dealing with the credit cards coming in, phone calls um, and, and everything, we it's really hard um, to get rid of them. And so, like I said, I'm not surprised by DirecTV. And it's, and it's sad that it actually took, you know, social media or the local news station calling attention to it for them to actually come back and refund their money. You got to think that this isn't the first family to have something like that happen. I mean, people are passing away all the time with contracts and, you know, systems and payments and things like that still on the books. So, and it'd be hard for, you know, the other family members or outsiders to try and, you know, clean all those things up in a timely manner. So it can't be the first time that that's happened. I, I would imagine they would have maybe better rules and regulations in place to avoid that kind of thing. Right. And I think there needs to be some type of sensitivity training on some of these consumer companies that are calling, you know, when you've lost a loved one, because they're not handling the situation as good as they need to. And in most cases, everybody has different experiences. Certainly, I always had good experience with DirecTV when we had them for several years. Best customer service, in my opinion, of any of the providers that we'd ever worked with. But so this is a little surprising that it came from them. But yeah, everybody has different experiences. So I'm glad at least they did eventually make it right. It took a little bit of, you know, pushing, it sounds like, but they did make it right. So anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting little thing that popped up in the news recently. Let's get to our quote of the month. And I think you'll like this one, Carrie. If you think good legal advice is expensive, you should see the cost of bad legal advice. <laughs> I don't know who said that, by the way. That's just that's an unattributed quote. Yes, but that's so true. And especially when it comes to legal planning um, and legal advice, because so often people are, you know, rightly concerned about the cost of it. And so sometimes they feel like we're going to go with the lower cost option. And it's not until, you know, sometimes years later with the state planning to actually see the issues 
that have come up with poor, you know, legal planning. And it's it's so expensive and complicated for the families to come back and fix that. I think that's a great point, and that's a great launching point for the show today, especially because we're going to be talking about where you get advice from, where people tend to go for their estate and financial and legal advice, and that's going to be our main topic of the day, where not to go and get that financial advice. And I think we discuss a lot of the time here, Carrie, on the podcast, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the importance of getting good financial and legal advice, but again, we're going to flip that on its head today and talk about where you shouldn't go to get advice. And the first thing on the list, unfortunately, it sounds so harsh to say it this way, Carrie, but friends and neighbors, don't go talk to them about it. That's Is that truly yes. the advice? Yes. And that's the most common um, that I'm hearing, you know, with phone calls in my office or emails. And it's always, well, my neighbor said this, or, you know, when my friend's husband passed away, they did X, Y, and Z, or they didn't do this. And it's so frustrating because, you know, one, they don't have, you know, a legal or financial, you know, education, but they also don't know your entire circumstance. So they're just giving you a little bit of, you know, what they did, which it may have been correct. It may have been upon the advice of an attorney, but it may not have been. They may have just done it themselves and they thought that was the right way and nobody ever caught the mistake. And so that's the most common is advice from friends and neighbors and I recently actually had a, a phone call from one of my clients. We were talking about creating a Medicaid asset protection trust to protect her assets if her or her husband should ever need long-term care. And she had called me up and one of her questions was, well, my neighbor told me that she had a trust and Medicaid still made her take all the assets out. And, and that's what we didn't want to do. And and I was had to tell the client, you know, well, I'm not even sure what type of trust it was because there's different types of trust, you know, and with what I've recommended, you know, Medicaid would not do that. And so we were able to, um, you know, come to an understanding and, and get that ironed out. But it's just one of many examples on where not to get your, your legal and financial advice from. That's a good story. Uh, I'm sure you've got more up your sleeve of other examples of where people kind of heard one thing and then found out another. Right. Well, I guess, you know, another good example, um, still kind of on the, the Medicaid topic, is we had a client where one of her friends or neighbors told her that she didn't need to worry about Medicaid because Medicare would pay for long-term care expenses. And I had to point out that that is a very common misconception because Medicare will only pay for, I believe, the first 60 days of long-term care needs. And then they will cover absolutely nothing else. And so we had to, you know, kind of explain the difference in that aspect. And then, you know, even on the, not, you know, after the legal side, I think that there's endless advice on investing you know, talking about hot stock tips and, oh, I bought some of this and my buddy's a stockbroker and you need to get in while it's hot too. You know, we see that, you know, all the time. Everybody's got their plumber or, you know, this is my electrician and uh, there's always somebody too who has the financial guy. Oh, you got to go talk to my financial guy, right? Like that's the the old sort of standby there. Or yeah, just I hit it big with this. You should have gotten in on it. Why don't you go get on it now? And that just leads you down all sorts of bad paths. Right. And I think on the investment side, too, like when they have their their guy, you know, their investment guy, they treat them and put them on this pedestal as some kind of guru that they know more than the average investor and that they can go out and pick, you know, a great stock um, better than, you know, what the average market is doing. And that's terrible advice. 
Yeah, we know that. As we've demonstrated through several shows here on the podcast, that that is certainly not the case. All right, so friends and neighbors are the most common places that people go to get financial and legal advice that you are telling us, no, 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 don't do that. What are some of the other sources of bad financial and legal advice that you see? Well, another one that we're seeing become really popular is social media Ah. these days. Yeah, just it's amazing. You know, people ask for all kinds of advice on on Facebook and Twitter, which is crazy because you're asking for advice from, in some cases, complete strangers. But I recently had an experience, I guess it was a couple months ago. I'm a member of several different groups on Facebook. And one of these groups that I belong to is a women's entrepreneur group. And so they're all running small businesses. And, you know, sometimes there is wonderful advice and discussion and sometimes not so much. And on one of these conversations, um, one of the ladies had reached out and I don't remember exactly what she had asked about, but it was a legal question having to do with getting a guardianship on somebody. Something had happened. She needed a guardianship. I don't even know what state she was in. And then she also, just as a side note, mentioned some health problems that she had been having. Okay. And it wasn't within probably the first hour that there were over 300 comments on this one post with people telling her all kinds of legal advice. And me you know, with my legal background, being an attorney, I go look on the profile page. I want to see if these people are actually attorneys. And surprise, most of them are not. <laughs> but they did stay at a uh, Holiday Inn giving, Express last they're, night. Yeah, they're giving legal advice or saying, well, you know, we did this or we did this, not even knowing what state she's in, because obviously state law is very important. And in a lot of cases, there were these affiliate links, women sharing affiliate links to these um, like legal shield type of products where they sign up to get discounts. So these people were giving her here, go to legal shield, you know, my site, you'll get a discount on the paperwork. And they were just looking to make money off this lady. I don't feel like they had her best interest at heart. Like, uh, and so for those who don't know what an affiliate link is, it would be uh, basically you're sending someone a link and there's code. I don't know if this is, you know, completely accurate in terms of a tech person would be like, no, you described that horribly. But in terms, in layman's (laughs) terms, the link would have some sort of code in there that would then give you kickback for sending that person to that resource. So, you know, right. that, like a that's little an tracking code. Like yeah. a little, you get a referral discount. So or, look, you get a little know. commission for sending them over that kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Wow. So that, there's a little bias in there, or even if it's not bias, it's just, you know, it's not necessarily good advice. It's just somebody saying, Hey, I can make a few dollars if you click on this link. So yeah, click on it. <laughs> right. Right. And it was, and it was so amusing to me because not only were they giving her the legal advice, but because she had mentioned some health issues, there was a whole nother like side track as far as what she needed to be doing to get healthier. And so there were all of these, you know, try CBD oils, try this holistic remedy. Here's my webpage and I sell this. So I think that's a, that's another warning is not only do you not get your financial and legal advice from social media, but you also probably don't need to be getting your medical advice from there as well. It's interesting what social media can be helpful for. You know, there are certainly great stories out there about how social media helps somebody, you know, I don't know, track down a lost dog or something like that. Like everybody coming together in that resourceful way. 
but for every one of those stories, there's definitely stories of people getting steered the wrong direction or being overwhelmed with the pieces of advice they're getting or contradictory advice, all those kinds of things. So it sounds like that was that lady's experience and it happens all the time. And uh, so you gotta be careful of it. So yeah, good. Social media, we add that one to the list of places not to get your financial and legal advice. Do you have any other places we should be uh, careful of as well? I do, and this is the last one, and it may seem surprising to a lot of listeners, but you shouldn't be taking legal advice from CPAs and financial advisors unless they are dual licensed and also have a law degree and make sure that they have legal malpractice insurance. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of scratching my head over here. That seems very counterintuitive to not to not go get CPA and financial advisors to work with you. It seems like we'd be giving the opposite advice. Well, they can help with general legal rules. I mean, almost all financial professionals, they're going to know general rules on taxation, but it they cannot provide advice that applies general legal principles to a specific situation because that's where they're actually providing legal advice. And, you know, one of the questions that I often, you know, ask people is when they call up and say, you know, I spoke to a friend or I spoke to my brother-in-law and this is their legal advice. You know, I usually say, well, unless, you know, your brother-in-law has malpractice insurance for his advice, you know, you're better off listening to me because I do have such insurance. So if I'm wrong, you know, I had the malpractice insurance to back me up, but the CPAs and the financial advisors don't when it comes to legal advice. It sounds like you've got a uh, personal story lurking in here somewhere as well, something that, that you're <laughs> that you're passionate about. Well, you know, I, I've had several. Uh, I, I, fe- I feel know, it. I feel it bubbling. I feel it bubbling up from you. Yeah, you know, I've had some wonderful relationships with you know CPAs and financial advisors over the years that we've able to really benefit my clients. But there's been a few times where certain advisors have overstepped their bounds. And in one of the situations I think would be, you know, helpful to listeners um, is I recently recommended a trust to a married client and his family based on his concerns and his needs and everything that we had discussed. And then a few days later, his financial advisor calls me up and the financial advisor was a CFP. He was credentialed. He had had probably 10 plus years of experience in the financial world. But, you know, he, from the minute he called, he was really just berating me on why a wheel wouldn't be sufficient for his client and basically told me that the living trust or the wheel would do the same thing as the living trust I had recommended and that the client didn't need, you know, what I was suggesting. And, I was patient with him. I I explained to him, um, in this case, the married couple, this was their second marriage. So both husband and wife had children from a previous marriage. And their existing will, which we determined was not sufficient, said, you know, if husband dies, everything to wife. And same thing, if wife died, everything to husband. But in that case, once husband dies and everything goes to wife, wife can come back in and change all the beneficiaries and nothing would go to his kids from a previous marriage if wife didn't want that to happen. And that was a huge concern for my client. He said, I do not want that. I want to make sure that if I go first, my wife is taken care of, but I know that my kids are provided for. And so we talked about how a certain type of revocable living trust would protect his assets, would provide for his spouse, but the spouse could not come in and change the beneficiaries. 
regardless of whether she got remarried down the road or, you know, even if she didn't, if she if she couldn't come in and undo certain things. And I just couldn't get that through to the financial advisor. I mean, he was so set on this basic wheel was everything that client needed. And we we honestly couldn't agree. And I had to tell the client, you know, look, you know, I just I can't help because this financial advisor, he obviously knows more than me, even though he didn't go to law school and, and pass the bar. But it's just it's really frustrating because that was to the detriment of my client. You know, and, and and that was really difficult for me to get over because I knew that that's not what the client needed, but that was the path that they were going down, and I just felt like I couldn't save them. Wow. So what what happened? If you don't mind sharing, what was the conclusion? Or has it reached a conclusion? I, I lost the client. Wow. I lost the client. The client, you know, wanted to, you know, take the financial advisor's, you know, advice over mine, and we parted ways. And so that's all I know. Mm. Doesn't sound like a uh, a wise move when you've got one who has a license and one who doesn't in the particular area that you're trying to seek advice in. That's very counterintuitive, but I guess some people that you develop trust with someone, and then even if they aren't a good fit or aren't uh, qualified to be giving you the great advice in a particular area, you can be led down a bad path that way just because you kind of get blinded in those situations. Hmm. Right, I agree. Tough to hear those things. So there you have it. Where not to get your financial and legal advice from. And, you know, we're not saying don't, you know, talk to your friends and neighbors about anything or don't ever ask a question on social media, but you got to take all these things with a grain of salt if you put it out there into the world to people that don't have really a lot of experience. And I think that's where it comes down to, especially not obviously the uh, the learning that goes along with it, Carrie, and the training and the schooling, but also the years and years of experience that you've been able to build up as well in this industry and see where people go wrong and you know better than it's two people in particular directions. So, all right, we focused so much on where not to get your financial and legal advice from. So where to get it from, Carrie? How can people get more information about working with you? You've got all of the, uh, the necessary credentials for these kinds of conversations and for this kind of guidance as well. So how do you help people make sure that they are getting the right things in place? Well, I would say if people are interested in just learning more and becoming better educated about the estate planning and and the financial world and what we do is to go to our website, www.qureshilaw.com and request our wealth protection toolkit because our wealth protection toolkit has several of the books that I've written on integrated financial, legal and life planning. We have a lot of reports. We have a special audio CD and it's really designed for the consumer to just become more aware of the issues before they ever decide if they are a good fit and want to come in and talk to me. And so it's kind of like a no obligation, no pressure where they can just learn more. Well, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Carrie and uh, if you want to get that wealth protection toolkit, the family wealth protection toolkit, learning the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning, you can get it by calling 870-275-4304. That's 870-275-4304. You can also go online to QureshiLaw.com and get in touch with Carrie through the website, of course, QureshiLaw.com. And we'll put links and the phone number and everything in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to access that information no matter what app you're using to listen to the program today. So just check the show notes or the description of the show, and you'll find all the necessary information that you need there. So there you have it, where not to get your financial and legal advice on today's podcast. Now it's time to get to know Carrie a little bit better. 
It's getting to know you time. All right, Carrie, time for our fun question of the podcast. What do you want your life to look like 10 years from now? Dude, what do I want my life to look like 10 years? We, we just from we now. just sort of turned the page on another decade. So yeah, go forward one another decade and where will you be? What will you be doing? You know, this is probably going to sound pretty boring, but kind of what I'm doing now. <laughs> um, I guess I feel like I've hit that midlife stride where I have a good balance of my career and my family. And so I think I want to just kind of keep that going. I'm so fortunate to be in an industry and a profession where I get the opportunity to help people the way that I do. And so I definitely want to continue that. But I love having that balance of if I needed to take a week off, you know, on vacation or spring break when my son's out of school to enjoy the friends and family time. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't see any big changes. Just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. What about yourself? I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, stabilized. I think that's just you're entering that phase. So that's good. That's a good thing. You know, I think you do go through so much of your life. You think about when you go from you know, your first 10 years and then 10 to 20 and then 20 to 30. There's just so many life changes that occur during that period. <laughs> so when you get on the other side of those things, it is kind of nice at some point to uh, just take a breath maybe and hit your stride. I like the way that you said that. Hit your stride. Uh, I guess yeah. we're, we're kind of heading in that way, but, you know, the next big thing on our agenda is going to be kids. And so, you know, I have no idea what it's going to look like <laughs> in 10 years. That will shake things up a little, Walter. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's probably going to happen on the early part of that 10 years. So I'll probably have it, you know, somewhat figured out by the time we hit the 10-year mark. But compared to this exact moment, yeah, it's going to look a lot different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that once you get your first one, and we'll we'll see how things have changed for you. Exactly, exactly. So we'll we'll keep you updated on that progress here over the next year. Or so very cool. That's getting to know Carrie Kureishi a little bit better. Where do you see yourself in ten years from now? It's always an interesting question to think about, and a good time to do that after the end of another decade and the start of a new one. Start thinking about yeah, what what will this decade shape up to be for me in my life? Think about that. It's a good, intriguing question for us all. All right, to wrap things up for the week, Carrie, let's get to a mailbag question. If you want to submit a question, you can go online to CoratiLaw.com and get in touch that way. So this one comes to us from Norm in Memphis, and it is uh, mostly a financial question here. Norm says, how much risk is appropriate to take with my investments now that I'm retired? Mm, risk tolerance, huh? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, you know, it's different for everybody. And so a lot of people, they always hear of, you know, the old rules of thumb on, you know, how much risk that they could take for their age. And one of the most common is you would want to have the amount of fixed income in your portfolio based on your age. And so if you were 70 years old, for example, you would want 70% of your portfolio to be in fixed income, which would be bonds and the remaining amount in stocks and equity, because that's where we normally see more volatility. But, you know, that's just a rule of thumb and, and it's not right for everybody. I have clients in their 60s and 70s that understand risk and that have a higher risk tolerance. And so for us, when we're looking at finding what level of risk is appropriate, um, yes, we use different risk tolerance questionnaires as a starting point. But I think that at the end of the day, it's really you know, a comfortability of where, you know, can you sleep at night? 
knowing that you're invested in this much of the market and knowing and understanding the numbers saying, well, here's the average, but on a, a given year, you know, your portfolio could go up, you know, 17% or it could go down 3%. And that is normal. And if they're not comfortable with that, then we need to reevaluate their risk tolerance. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's different for everybody. And so without really digging deeper and having that conversation, you know, it's really hard norm to tell you, you know, here's, you know, the amount of risk you need to be taking. Yeah, it's a really good question, though, Norm, one that a lot of people are certainly asking when they reach retirement age and start going through this whole planning process. Would you say, Carrie, that is just I mean, that's the question everybody asks at some point, like you, you can't escape putting together a financial plan and not take a deep dive into that conversation? Oh, absolutely. It's one of the most important things to figure out. And it's not easy. It's not just, you know, it's the same for everybody, like I said. Um, you know, for us, when we're talking about risk, we always want you to take the least amount of risk possible in order to maximize your rate of return. And there's actually, there's, you know, numbers and a scientific way to do that. It's not just, well, I'm a conservative investor or I'm an aggressive investor. There's actually numbers that we look at for volatility. So you know exactly what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. And that's really important. Norm or anybody else who has questions about not only the financial side, but how your life and legal planning all work together. You know, risk is just one element of that conversation, an important one, but it's just a piece. You got to integrate all these things together. Uh, I do encourage you to pick up that family wealth protection toolkit that Carrie talked a little bit about earlier on in the show, and uh, it'll help walk you through those beginning stages of pulling all these things together financial, legal, and life planning all into one. You can get it on CoratiLaw.com or by calling 870-275-4304. And of course, check the description or the show notes for today's episode on whatever app you're using to listen, or if you're already on the website listening, should be pretty easy to find. Just look for the Family Wealth Protection Toolkit and the appropriate links should be within your finger's grasp pretty easily, or, or the click of a mouse for those who still use the uh, the computer to listen to shows and whatnot. Well, Carrie, that is uh, a really fun show, really interesting to tackle some of those uh, examples that you gave of people who have kind of been giving bad advice and getting bad advice, and uh, it's good to hear that those stories are real and happening, and uh, we need to make sure that we're getting advice from the right places. So, so important. Thank you so much for your help on today's show, and uh, a happy new year to you as well. Happy new decade to you. I think exactly. That's, 2020. That's, that's awesome. a thing, right? Yeah. Happy decade, not the happy new year. It's even better than that. We'll look forward to another great show with you next month. For everybody else, thanks for listening to the show. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth Podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe.
Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.